by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Hey, hockey fans, and welcome to Game Over Vancouver. That was a close one. It was close. It was 5-4 Tampa Bay over the Vancouver Canucks. The Canucks hit the midway point of the season, three games under 500. I have an amazing guest here to help me break it all down, not only tonight's game, but a bigger picture look at this team. But first and foremost, welcome to all of you. I am Clay Emo. I'm Canuck Clay, both here on YouTube and on Twitter. You're welcome to give me a follow on both places. More importantly, subscribe to this SDPN channel, Steve Dangle Podcast Network. Game over shows for all seven Canadian cities. And especially, thank you for being here tonight. So like this video, subscribe, hit the notification bell. If you're listening on a podcast platform, rate and review. And feel free to share this video. Tweet out this video and say, hey, we're going to be talking about the Vancouver Canucks for the next 35 to 40 minutes. Before we get going, though, before we I bring in my guests, I have a special word, a special ad that I want you to take a look at. Here we go. Think you know what way it's going to go? Make your bet with Sports Interaction. Whether it's hockey, football, or basketball, Sports Interaction has you covered. Bet pregame, live in play, or in one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all that sports betting has to offer. Want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com SDPN. Steve Dangle Podcast Network. That's sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. 19 plus, please play responsibly. Magic. I don't have to read that live now. Every single show. And uh, yeah, I was rocking the SDPN shirt. But yes, very important. Support our sponsor, Sports Interaction. And once again, subscribe to SDPN. Like this video as well. Okay, enough about me. It's time to bring in my guest. It's someone that I was blessed to meet when he was living in Vancouver. I think he's from Vancouver. I'll let him tell the story. Then he went to go study back east. He's got his own show. I have my show. We've done some collabs. So let's bring him on right now. Please welcome to the show from Uncontested Hockey, Mr. David Lewis. Dave, thanks for being here tonight. Thank you so much for having me. I'm pumped to be on. Uh, definitely a good game to come on for, too. An exciting one, 5-4 right at the end there. Yeah, it wasn't bad at all. So, Dave, before we get started, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about who you are and, and what you do and where they can follow you? Okay, sweet. So, uh, my name's David, as Clay said, and my buddy John and I have a hockey channel, Uncontested Hockey, behind me. I can drop that in the chat. I'll put the link there if you guys <laughs> want to go subscribe or whatever. It'd be much appreciated. We're making the push for 1000 but I'm a diehard Vancouver fan. I actually grew up in Ontario, um, but didn't live particularly close to Toronto, not very close to Montreal, and not close to Ottawa. And was born in Montreal, and a goalie in hockey in Luongo was just the man, standing on his head every night. Fell in love with the Canucks, and nothing's really changed since. And now uh, John and I just talk about it a few times a week. We cover all 32 NHL teams, so that's fun, but we put a specific focus on the seven Canadian teams. And John, being a Habs fan, myself, a Canucks fan, we do a lot about that. But anyways, yeah, we try and bring stuff from all different sides, whether it's analytics-based, uh, just what the media is saying, what we're watching throughout the game. So it's a great time and very blessed to have met some awesome people such as Clay along the way. But it's been fun. Awesome. So yeah, definitely take a second to put it in the chat right now. Yeah. So if you want to follow uh, Dave and John's show called Uncontested Hockey, yeah, I'm sure he'll put the YouTube link in there. You can also find them on Twitter. On, on Twitter, though, it's not the full name, right? It's like a few letters missing. Yeah, I think it's at uncontested 
H-K-Y, like okay. short for hockey. Okay. But uh, on Instagram, on Instagram, if you, if you guys have, you should check that out. In particular, I made a model that projects like how guys should do analytically and stuff. And like I'll post player cards on Instagram. So at uncontested hockey, just all straight up, no underscores or anything like that, at uncontested hockey. And uh, awesome. Yeah, we try and engage with people as much as we can. Good. Well, keep up the great work. Let's engage with everyone tonight. We're going to break down the game. We're going to talk about the Canucks blue line in particular because of a certain player who got healthy scratch tonight. And then we'll get into the chat section at the very end. So once again, everyone here watching, thanks for being here. Okay, it's 5-4. I led with Dave that I didn't think, I thought the Canucks actually played quite well. And I wouldn't say deserving of the win because they still made some bad uh, errors at some bad times. But what were your impressions of the game overall? I just like Clay when the shots were like 33, 33, I knew that I was going to go on Twitter and I was going to see people say like, Oh, not a bad game. I always check moneypuck.com. They give you a deserve to win meter based on expected goals. Yeah. Tampa had a 75% deserve to win. tonight, And like Vancouver has never been a specific, like great analytic team. Yeah. But Tampa isn't either. They went to the Stanley Cup final three years in a row while continuously having more expected goals again. So if you're going to beat Tampa, if you're going to beat a goalie like Vasilevsky, you gotta you got to test them. And I think it was a gutsy effort. Like, guys were playing hard. Uh, I found the top six particularly impressive tonight. Like, whether it was the Horvat line or the Pedersen line out there, I felt like they were generating, which was good to see. And when you look at the players who were like expected goals for the night most of the guys who were under 50 percent were all bottom six guys right so good that your important players were playing like important players nice to have Pedersen get two points get him up to 50 points but overall a good showing in Tampa I feel like every time we go to Tampa we just get like absolutely rinsed I remember the one year in 2019-20 we had the seven game winning streak we walk into Tampa and get like thumped like nine two <laughs> uh last year I remember it being an absolute crapshoot as well so yeah. Nice to have a competitive performance. And man, it would have been awesome if Curtis Lazar buried that at the last play of the game. Yeah. You know, usually uh, sometimes I like to go and break down each goal, but I don't think we have to because, hey, there are nine goals. It'll take forever. But uh, yeah, that, you know, when I first saw that, that game ending chance, I thought, oh my gosh, how come you can put it in? But I guess when we saw the replay, it was still a good chance, but I he was in a lot tighter than I thought he was. It, yeah. it, it happened so fast, right? So, and. I'm surprised Lazar was out there. Um, yeah, but- that's what I was. I didn't want to bury any player on my first intro round, but like, <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> and I get, I guess Garland didn't even happen. They couldn't even find his helmet. He went out there with Lockwood's helmet. So I guess Garland was a no. Yeah. But you got six guys. Yeah. Unless someone was gassed on the bench, like the right. six guys for Vancouver is so easy. Yeah. You think uh, even if Garland unavailable, you you think Kuzmenko would be the natural, or even Mikheyev ahead of Lazar, but maybe yeah. they wanted a, a net front presence. I don't know. I don't know, but um, I'm not blaming him at all. I don't think you are as well, but yes, that would, no, that, no. that would have been exciting. The fact that the Canucks, Dave even made it a game, like it looked pretty dim after that five, uh, two goal, but the, the big guys came to play Hughes and Petey each scored in the last five minutes to make it interesting. Yeah. Good to have Quinn getting a, a couple goals under his belt here, scored against Pittsburgh the other night. And then tonight as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was obviously like when he scored that first goal of the season against uh wasn't Seattle, San Jose, maybe. It was it was a beautiful goal, obviously, snipes. And you could just see like he wasn't even like happy. <laughs> like he was just like, thank God, like on pace to score like five goals this year, whatever, four goals. Like he wasn't even happy. But then he gets a couple more under his belt. Hopefully that helps the confidence. Cause 
it was all talk about how his shot improved this summer. He went on 32 shots, talked about how Yossi outshot him by like 100 shots and how he's going to be shooting the puck a lot more. And it really hasn't been there this year. I don't know where his shots are at, but the goals definitely haven't been. Yeah. And so nice to see him get a couple. And Pedersen's just been dynamite. Yeah. He's been ripping the puck. I felt he was due, especially after that Pittsburgh game. He could have had a few in that game alone. So nice to see him come through in the last few minutes. And you make a good point about the best players being the best players. I think Petey Miller and Hughes were the, the Canucks players that had multi- point games tonight so I, I love what you said dave about the whole deserve to win meter because I, maybe i got biased i think it was john shorthouse who said on the broadcast that this was probably their best and the their best game on the road trip and that was when they were losing 5-2 then i look at the overall team stats and i see them out shooting tampa 40 to 35 even in the face-off circle yeah maybe special teams weren't brutally bad but they gave up two so that's not great but they got one back and they yeah. out hit they out blocked the the lightning so when you just look at the stat line just the stat line without the analytics it looks you'd say yeah the connects played at least tampa at least straight up so um why what were the biggest issues why do you think indeed tampa seemed to be uh having this in the bag with 10 minutes to go in the game look if vancouver win this game i probably don't come in come on here and start bashing the analytics like let's call a spade a spade but and also I know the special teams weren't over and like a huge issue with Miller getting that nice breakaway goal there. Yeah. But like, if you're going to give a tap, a team like Tampa Bay fourth in the league on power play, if you give them a five on three, like you're, you're just, uh, it's an automatic goal. And for a team like Vancouver, you can't afford to give any more automatic goals than you're already giving with some of these turnovers. Yeah. But for me, I, I, I think some of the issues that like get still just really sloppy. Like there's like, like we come out, Firing, right? Like I live in Montreal, so I get to watch the Habs a lot. And they're and Vancouver's a very inconsistent team, but Montreal is a very inconsistent team as well. <laughs> and Montreal, though, through 10 minutes, if the shots are eight-nothing Montreal, you're like, man, Montreal's on tonight. It's gonna be a great game. And like you know Montreal's good. And yeah. if the shots are eight-nothing for the other team through five minutes, you're like, man, we're in trouble. Yeah. But Vancouver, they could be out shooting a team 20 to nothing. <laughs> And it doesn't mean a thing. <laughs> like you could like it's like awesome, but you, you better hope that you scored because or else like the other team's gonna start turning it on, right? And uh I just found still the inconsistent play like plays. Like we had an awesome first 10 minutes, and then Tampa comes roaring back, roaring at the start of the second. And you can't have five minute lapses where you just totally take your foot off the gas pedal. Yeah. But I will say definitely more positives than negatives from this game, especially compared to some of the past few games. Yeah, and the Canucks, their margin for error, Dave, is so small that anytime Dakota Joshua forgets to st stick with Nikita Kucherov, or anytime uh, a guy splits Hughes and Bear, I'm basically outlining the the goals that the Canucks had no chance on, or the one where off a faceoff that um, you have Petey and Myers trying to block a shot, but no one actually going after the guy. So those. Uh, Obviously, a lot of goals happen because of mistakes. Then you're you're right. Five on three against a team with Headman, Kucherov, Point, and Stamkos. You're going to give up at least one. And then the other power play goal, too, that they scored. The, what was the other one? So one was Stamkos, and the other one was, oh, the, the uh -huh. first one, um, Perry, a tip. So, yeah, Perry, tip. Yeah, you know, and, and on that one, uh, maybe another mistake. I know Lazar had a chance to um, to clear the puck, and he, he lost it behind his own net. So, like with many goals and many teams, Goals are scored when when you mess up. But aside from those mess ups, and I'm not downplaying them, they're they're big mistakes. I thought the Canucks uh, they didn't play a perfect game, but at least they. I I didn't mind the effort. I really, and I think you see that 
Yeah, maybe the score effects, maybe Tampa takes their foot off the gas. Maybe they're trying too hard to get Sam Coast's 500th goal, but at least they, they didn't fold it in, uh, pack it in, I should say. Yeah, no, I agree. And as fans, like with this season, like, look, coming in, everyone wanted the playoffs at this point. Yeah. Like a 3% chance I saw today. So great. At, we want hope, right? You want to see the big players play well. You want to have fun, exciting hockey games. Yeah. And even if that means letting in some goals, as long as you're scoring them, we want fun games. And we definitely had that today. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was definitely, well, I know we'll talk about it more later, but it was an interesting look at the blue line without yeah. OEL because over the past two years, he's been such a staple. And like, I knew that with him gone, Dermot's going to get more looks. And then Dermot leaves and I'm like, oh my goodness, like what's going to happen here? Like, so it was uh, definitely an interesting seeing Stillman get relied on as much as he did, seeing some of those guys get uh, a lot of ice time. I'm not sure where the minutes were distributed. I can check that out now. Yeah, but... actually, I, I can read it to you. I, Dermot only had eight. So you had... Oh, no, not Dermot. Well, he was going to get played a lot, I think, but then he, when did he get injured? In the second? Yeah, but then he came out for the third. So... um but I, I saw them, maybe he didn't play a lot for the third. But yeah, yeah, he was at 27 and a half, Myers at 26 and a half. And then you had Shannon Stillman at 17 and Barrett, all at 17. Barrett, so they're all within yeah. a minute of each other. Yeah, wow. Stillman was actually, uh, you know, I, I'm quick to rag on him, but Stillman was actually fine tonight. Yeah, uh, I, I didn't, honestly, I... <laughs> What did, what did Botch always say? The Sea of Grandlands? Like, I feel like this blue line has just turned into the Sea of Grandlands for me. Like, it's just all a bunch of guys who struggle to defend yeah, yeah. <laughs> at even strength. And I don't know. It's like, this is more talking long game here, but this blue line is going to need a serious makeover going into next season if they have any aspiration at being competitive for sure. But look, they played hard tonight. I yeah. feel like I'm coming on here being way too negative, but like they, they've had, they played a hard game against a Tampa team that's really good. Tampa scores on everybody. Tampa has an unbelievable power play and they kept them to 5-4 in a really... In a game where they battled hard, even though the analytics suggested that they probably should have lost by a bit more. Right. I I thought that they played hard and it was fun. Yeah, and Tampa, you can tell why they've been a championship team. They're they're fast and they have skill they're fast guys like point, they're skilled, Stamkos, Kutrov, they're big, headman, Belmar, and Maroon, Perry. So you can see they're kind of yeah. like Winnipeg, or maybe Winnipeg is Tampa Light. They're both, they're my, actually, I think you know this. Winnipeg is my second favorite team. Tampa is my yeah. third favorite team after the Canucks. But you can see why these teams are successful and they, they have that combination of, of size, speed, and skill. Okay, Dave, you, you teased this well. We're going to talk about the blue line in the second segment. So thank you, everyone, once again for joining us. My guest is Dave Lewis of Uncontested Hockey. Vancouver boy out in Montreal doing his thing. So we're thrilled to have him on here and we're thrilled to have all of you. So start getting active in the chat, speak with each other, converse with each other. We'll get to your comments in the third segment, but we're going to take a quick two second pause so I can insert the ad later. And then we're going to move on to the second segment. Make sure you subscribe to SDPN, like the video. I'm Canuck Clay. He's uncontested hockey. Make sure you find us as well. So let's take a quick breath. And then we'll get on to our second segment. Okay, Dave, the story that broke when the Canucks, well, it's two things, actually. Firstly, it was Tanner Pearson. I can't believe we got through 50 minutes without even mentioning Tanner Pearson out for the yeah. rest of the season, but we will save that for another show. I think the bigger story, even though that was a big story, but he's kind of been out of sight, out of mind, was OEL. His first scratch in over 10 years and his first one as a Vancouver Canuck. What was your reaction, Dave? Did you see the lines from morning skate or did you did you see the line rushes half an hour before game? When did you hear about this? 
I heard about it this morning. Yeah. The line rushes yeah. where he was out, where he was on like the fourth pair um, skating, basically knowing that he's not going to play, but we've seen Bruce do this. And then like a guy ends up in the lineup more just to scare him. <laughs> but I feel like a guy like OEL doesn't really need to scare. The guy hasn't been a healthy scratch since 2011, yeah. uh, which is insane. Really. He's been just a staple of whichever team he's played on blue line, like Vancouver, even Bruce said it and his, he said, he's arguably our best defenseman. Yeah. I think it'd be quite an argument, but he's been, he's been a staple. <laughs> he's yeah. played a lot. So it's, uh, it was shocking for sure. Mm-hmm. But that's what I found out about how to be, how about yourself? Yeah, no, great. I love how you, uh, you said you were shocked. I was uh, shocked. Maybe too strong. I was surprised because I actually thought Myers, no, they're both equally bad. They're both equally bad against Pittsburgh. They're both minus three, I think. And yeah, Ekman Larson shouldn't have pinched on this play, but then Myers didn't do any favors this play. Like, so you can uh, have, have dozen of one, six of the other. I think I messed that up, but you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> and then when you, if you scratch Myers, do you think you have more depth on the right side with Bear and then uh, Shen? And then I guess you bring in uh, a Kyle Burrows or a Stillman can play on the right, or you scratch Ekman Larson and you say, okay, maybe we have more depth on the left technically with, with Hughes. Actually, maybe not Dermot. So you're still stuck with playing either Stillman or Burroughs, right? To replace OEL. Yeah. So I guess I don't I guess, even think it mattered. Yeah. Like I don't even think it mattered. I think Bruce wanted to send a message and yeah. he, he OEL was his guy. Yeah. Um OEL has been a little bit worse this season. Yep. And the thing is with OEL, we also expect a little more because Myers, we've seen him the past four years in Vancouver since that 2019-20 season. And the fans ragged on him so hard over this year, like over a lot of those years. And last year was a bit better. But yep. oh yeah, when we acquired him, like the bar was so low. Like it wasn't that high. People were saying as long as he could play top four and not be a liability. I remember we had Michael Russo from The Athletic on our show. And he said, like, in his opinion, oh, yeah, is the most overrated player in the NHL. Great. My, my buddies, the Alexi twins, they're two, probably the two most knowledgeable guys when it comes to hockey I know. In that funky COVID year, both their teams were in the same division as OEL and the Arizona Coyotes. And they said, every time OEL hopped over the boards, I got pumped because I knew that we were going to get some good chances. And so for me, I'm like, wow, like this sucks. <laughs> but he started the year last year and through 500 minutes played, he was the only defenseman in the NHL to be on for less than 10 even strength goals. Like last year was not that bad. No, they're fine, actually. You're right. Yeah. yeah. And so the expectation for this year was like, look, on PP2, maybe you won't get a lot of Ekman Larson points, but mm-hmm. he's someone that you can count on to defend under some reliable minutes. Yeah. Yeah. No. And this year's gonna struggle. No, that's a really good point. OEL Myers, they were they weren't amazing, but they're fine. They were our shutdown pair, and that's that allowed Hughes and Shen to kind of do a bit more last year. And, and that that's fine. I, I think Dave, unfortunately for OEL, he's always gonna be tied to Jim Benning's desperate Hail Mary. Yeah of trading away 12 million of expiring contracts and Erickson Beagle and Roussel plus the ninth overall pick who turned out to be Dylan Gunther. He had no clue who that was going to be for basically two guys that we've heard at different times this season. Maybe the Canucks might be looking to ship them out. So he was always already coming in almost kind of uh, with that stacked against them. Having said that, Dave, do you think really only this could go one or two or maybe three ways. It's just a one-game scratch. He's back uh, on the weekend, and he's back in his normal spot, and he's fine, and he gets the the bit of the wake-up call that the Kuzmenkos and Garlands have had so far. So that's one option. 
the other option is the, the way you look at it is well there's two others is with Pearson out do you not rush Demko back do you not do you end up scratching guys like this and maybe I never say the T word as you know but maybe decrease your chances of winning or the third option is do you think this actually becomes the first of a series of scratches in an effort to somehow well you're not going to move them by scratching them but maybe do you even consider a buyout? So there's all those options. Do any of those appeal to you? Do you think it's going to go any of those ways? I'll start by saying that OEL gets back in the lineup next game. Okay. I would be shocked if he wasn't. Right. Bruce Boudreaux loves his veterans. He loves his leaders. And to scratch OEL one game, it's sending a message. Scratch him two games. I think even despite how poorly he played, mm-hmm. it's a slap in the face. Yep. I don't think he'll get scratched two games in a row. Um, and then the second part of that, that I wanted to say was, uh, I'm forgetting here. <laughs> it's okay. I, well, I talked for so long there. So <laughs> I don't even remember, but basically OEL, I think he's back next game. Yeah. And as far as trading, oh, the trading, trading slash buyout. Yeah. I don't think you can get a team to take that contract. Maybe they move. I, there's definitely going to be trades before the trade deadline with this team. I'm not sure where yet, Yeah. but the buyout on OEL, I remember when we acquired him, uh, the buyout structure becomes extremely favorable after four years yeah. of when we acquired him. So we have two more years to go. I think Jim Rutherford still very much feels that this team can be competitive next year. And I think that OEL, he can still be a part of that. And I'm not even saying that it's impossible. That he's not a part of that. Like mm-hmm. last year, he was still very serviceable. Like he reminded me kind of like Alex Edler as he was slowing down, which would be just fine if he was if he was doing that. It's just this year it's been a disaster. But he's not a, he's not alone. There's been other Canucks players where it's been a disaster for for them this year. Mm-hmm. It has not been an easy season at all. OEL is one of those guys where the buyout for me doesn't become possible until two more years. You're gonna have to ride it out and suck it up until then. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. So let's stay on the blue line. Luke Shen, he's one of three UFAs. Obviously, the biggest one being Bo Horvat. Should mean JT Miller too, but Bo Horvat, Andre Kuzmenko, and Luke Shen. We'll save the Horvat Kuzmenko talk for another show because I want to focus on the blue line. Luke Shen, he's valuable, valued by us. Maybe he's a six or seven defenseman like he was when he was with Tampa. Should we try and move him and recoup whatever we can for this player? Yeah, it's not an easy one, especially like. <laughs> With the rumors that come out with of the room and how Canucks Twitter views this room, it's like people look at Luke Shen as like this glue of the room. And if that he, if he leaves, like it's done. Clicks everywhere, arguments everywhere. But to be honest, like from all we have as a fan is like what the Canucks post, what we hear from the media. He does come off of this awesome leader. I know when they're in Toronto, he went on the podcast there and talked about how he was part of planning a team outing in Toronto. And like Mm. Off the ice, I'm not questioning at all how valuable he is. Yeah. It just depends what the return and what the market is for him, right? Like, if you're getting offered a second for Luke Shen, like, that's great value. I mean, we just watched the World Junior stank Oven with a second-round pick, and he should he have gone there? No. But even look in our own organization, taking Nils Hoaglander in the second round, like, I know he's in the AHL right now, but I think all Canucks fans still have reasons to be optimistic about Nils Hoaglander. Mm-hmm. And... For Luke Shen, who in a couple years will not be with us, even if we do extend him this summer, like, I don't know. I think as an organization at this point, they're not close to competing. This room, eventually, Patterson, Hughes, if Horvat sticks around, Horvat, Miller, if Brock stays, Brock, Demko, they're going to have to find a way to set that winning culture and win. It's great to have Luke Shen there to show them if he can, but 
I, th- I think if the returns there, he's got to go. What do you think? Yeah. Um, he's been so good for this team, but if you're, and it's funny, you know, Rutherford Alvin will not say the term rebuild. They won't even say retool. They, they don't, they don't say anything sometimes. I know I should say that. Yeah. Rutherford says a lot. Alvin doesn't say anything, but yes, I, I think if you, in your heart of hearts, if you think that you have, you can recoup an asset. I love what you said. Even if it's uh, just quote, just a second rounder, we we need draft picks. We need to stock up again, and and yeah, and and if you like him so much, and and you don't think you're gonna be able to afford him next year, then maybe you do him a solid and trade him to a contender, and therefore you're getting some at least something back. I agree with you. I really agree yeah. with you. Speaking of the the rebuild word that you're throwing out there, retooled. <laughs> I see the chat mentioning Connor Bedard. Are you are you on Team Tank? Are you on Team well, Let's? Come on, you, you know the you know the answer to that I can't even say the word and and I know in the past years maybe because there hasn't been a guy there's been obviously some great draft picks but never a guy that's captivated our hearts local boy all the, we know all the storylines and we saw his record breaking performance at the juniors um, I 100% see where people are coming from where they say they're closer to an, a lottery pick now than they are to a wild card spot I I understand that I get all that. I just don't see the players intentionally doing that because they have too much pride. Do you want Penny okay, and Hughes and Denver? Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Lay it on no, me. I'm not. I'm not saying the players are going to go throw games. Yeah. And no one. But when you watch the Canucks and Pedersen has his point in the first period, Hughes has an assist. Are you like we like? Let's win this game. Like let's go. Like are you like happy with a loss? Great question. I'll answer you honestly. I was pretty pumped when when Miller scored that uh, power play goal, the breakaway to tie it up two two. When Petey and and when Hughes and Petey were scoring, I was jumping around. I was still screaming as if the Canucks were battling for first place in the Pacific. So, in my heart of hearts, Dave, I still want them to win. I'm smart enough to realize the ramifications of every two points. I, I get all that, but I can't uh, deny my emotion, especially when I'm at the arena. Now, having said that, just because I'm a season ticket holder and I spend a lot of time, energy, and money, the big three, time, energy, and money on this team, I also get that this is the year. You can't take back that Arizona trade. You can't take back that JT Miller contract unless you somehow move him, which I don't think you can. So I I don't embrace the T word. I, I won't say it, but I get that if you can move Horvat, Kuzmenko, as, as much as it pains me to say it, Shen and others, you could do. You can really remake this team already. Um quickly this summer it doesn't mean they're gonna be good right away but you can actually really really uh make a dent this year for sure yeah okay that's fair i was just more curious because from and i'm sure you see it like this like you look at this core like we're not anywhere close right now like we have great pieces yep at the middle of it Mm -hmm. but every team like every team that wins has those like that wins cups. Like, look, look, look how many, like we love Pedersen. I think Pedersen's a man, but if you look at Tampa, like Stamkos, Point, Kucherov, Hedman, Vasilevsky, those are like five Pedersons. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it takes a lot. Like it really takes a lot. And I just feel like we're so far in every two points. I just see like, I, I can just, I can just see like Rutherford being like that. That's, that's why we have these guys and that's our team. But we've run it back with this core four years. Yeah. Like, and we brought in the new management to have hope. Mm-hmm. And the hot Bruce there is streak last year was awesome. Yep. But I, I still feel like a lot more has to get done to be even close. And I think losing just kind of cements it. Like this team's not good enough right mm-hmm. now. Do you worry, Dave? Do you worry at all about the psyche there of PD, Hughes, and Demko? Let's say our big three. 
Um, no, I don't. Cause mm-hmm. I think they're both, they think they're all like extremely confident people yeah. and yeah. like Patterson and Hughes in particular, they're close on the ice. They're close off the ice. They're both great players. And I, the only way I'm worried is if they get fed up and want to leave. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, that's the only way I'm worried. I'm not worried about them personally because they're right. amazing players. They've been on winning teams before. And if we get some good pieces around them, they're going to find a way to get wins. So yeah. I wouldn't say I'm worried. How how about yourself? Yeah, I well, Hughes, he's still in a contract for another four years. So I'm not worried about him. Uh, Petey, I, I don't worry that he's going to pull a Kachuk and, and just in essence force his way out of here, even as an RFA, right? You usually worry about that for UFA, not for RFA. Yeah. So no, I I'm with you. I don't worry about it too much, but um, yeah, I, I relate it to Horvat though. Everyone says, well, when the, the first thought was that we're not going to be resign him, who knows? He, maybe he doesn't want to resign here as, as much. As I hate to say it, he's my favorite player, but he might be sick of losing. Like doesn't yeah. uh, doesn't getting traded to a Colorado or a Rangers or whatever whoever needs a second line center? Uh, I'm just using those as an example. That would be kind of appealing, don't you think, for a guy like for a guy like Bo? Yeah, I, I could definitely uh, see that. Like, it's so tough. Like, because Bo was the first piece of his core, and it really felt like he was one of those guys that were meant to retire with that team when he got named a captain at such a young age. And I know it's crazy to say that about like a second line centerman, but he he was just a perfect fit for Vancouver, but with this new management, like basically slapping him in the face with their first offer, um, <laughs> all these rumors going public when it was very clear that he wanted to keep this private. Yeah. It's just, there's very clear tension right now. Yeah. I, to be honest, I still wouldn't be surprised though, if they take another run at him, I know they have their final mark or whatever, but we heard the exact same story with JT Miller. It's true. And if this man, it really is coming back next year saying like let's do it let's run it yeah. like i don't know are you gonna find a bohorvat on the street this summer like yeah, no. i don't think so you know you're like that's you're gonna sure. actually want to come to vancouver a losing team yeah you're so right you're so right all right i want to get in the chat but i got one last question because we've kind of uh themed this second segment about the blue line uh ethan bear 1.8 travis dermot 1.5 both RFA, so we don't have to tend them a qualifying offer. What do you think happens quickly with each of those guys? Barrett 1.8 and Dermot at 1.5. I think Bear stays for sure. Um, he's the management likes him, fans like him. He's been solid more games than he's been than he's had more good games than bad games. Yeah. Um, Dermot, we still really got to see. He has not played a lot this season. Sure. I think Dermot has that upside. I, I I like him. I think he can play in that five, six role and do a adequate job but i feel like we are filled with five six guys so i wouldn't be surprised at all if he walks how about you yeah i uh, i like dermot a lot in fact I, i've told the story he was the him and spencer martin were the two guys i really enjoyed meeting personally at the golf tournament i volunteered at but I, i'm yeah. not sure if he's going to get a chance to show what he can do and they, so far they played him on the left side maybe you try him on the right and if you're comfortable with bear and uh, dermot as as right shot guys that helps a lot but we know bears a right-handed d so i agree with you that of those two he will likely be the priority. Okay, friends, we're going to enter our third segment. We have about seven or eight minutes left with Dave. So put in the chat now anything that you want, basically, Dave to talk about. I, I I might throw in a couple of words too, but put in the chat. There's over three dozen of you in here, which is awesome. So like the video. There's only eight likes. We should bump that up a little bit. And uh, more importantly, put some questions in the chat that I can ask to uh, Dave while we have him here for the last few minutes. 
Uh, Fangirl says, David, what do you think is a realistic path to the NHL for our two draft picks for this year? Jonathan LeCaramacchi and uh, DPD. Good question, Fangirl. Um, I, uh, DPD, look, I, do you remember a couple of years ago? Oh my goodness, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Petrus Palmu. Mm-hmm. Petrus Palmu. Like, when we had him, I've never seen a prospect as universally loved by the fans as he was. And I feel like DPD is becoming our Petrus Palmu. Mm. Like, all the fans love him. And I guess it's because third round pick playing in the SHL, had a solid showing at the World Juniors, had a solid showing uh, this year at the U18s also. Like, he's, every time we watch him, it just seems like he's doing good things. Yep. For him, though, he's definitely going to need time um, based on everything I'm seeing. Uh, it's a very tough transition, like going from third pair in the SHL to a third pair in the NHL. Realistically, mm-hmm. in, a, in a couple of years or maybe in a year or whatever, comes over, plays some time in the AHL. Hopefully his development in the AHL goes better than some of the guys in the past and then to the NHL. Yep. Karamaki, I know it's been a tough year for him, struggling to even get top six minutes in the Elsfangskin League. But the organization's still very high on him. First sure, he's their first first round pick. A lot of teams had him in the top ten, so hopefully he can find his confidence. Eventually, get over to our system and play in Abbotsford, and eventually get up to that middle six. I can't see him starting an NHL in a fourth line role though, so they're going to make sure he's ready to play at least in the middle six. Because as we saw, playing guys like Pudkoles and Hoagland are these skill guys on the fourth line is not his formula for success. And there's no rush. Agreed. Agreed. Chris Seifert says, thoughts on the future of our goaltending? Not Demko. We know he'll be fine, hopefully. Martin, Dilia, and C-Loves. What's the path going forward here? Um, Goalies, it's funny, right? Because the trajectory is not always linear. It's it's very hard to predict goaltenders. So I don't expect it to come down to like one guy. Mm. (laughs) I think Martin is going to come back. I know he's had his struggles at points this year, but... In that 10 games run last year, he won people over. While Demko was losing every second game, every game this year, he was picking up wins. And it's not, it's no roast on Demko. He's been terrific for us. Talk about progress not being linear. For Demko, it almost has been before this season, right? Just getting better year after year. Yeah. But Demko at the top, I don't believe there's any reason to feel otherwise, despite this year. Martin backing up. They'll always have some third goalie that they can bring in, and Seelos keep developing. Eventually, he'll eventually it'd be interesting to see him as a backup. Yeah, I, I think it's too quick to anoint Martin as the goalie of the future. We that's why they only signed him for a two year contract. So let's see. He had a good start. He's kind of tailed off a little bit, but let's see what happens there. Default asks, does Rutherford retire or resign at the end of this year or even sooner? He, he's not having fun. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't look like anyone's having fun right now in Vancouver, honestly. (laughs) But uh, Rutherford, I don't think he's going anywhere. Uh, Dollywall mentioned today that um, he's still feeling good and would like to stay. So I feel like there's a lot of work cut out for them to do, but he has a legacy and he wants to make that legacy continue in Vancouver. And I don't think he's going anywhere soon. And we'll end with this one, Dave, our time together, because it was actually the one I was going to ask, but I'm going to give C-Edits all of the credit here and and we got a couple minutes so spend some time on this one what's it like being a canucks fan in montreal uh, just among your friends uh, coverage and reputation of the canucks team and their fan base yeah well let's just say this whenever vancouver does actually have a successful team i have some victory laps to take for sure because i i hear it from everybody all the time 
particularly in that COVID year, we played Montreal eight times. It was brutal, brutal, because every game, like, I get direct messages from people that, like, I will never talk to you, like, ever. And I'll just get a message from them, be like, man, your team sucks, eh? And I'm like, yeah, ha, ha yeah, we do, ha. Like, <laughs> it just, like, people come out of nowhere. It's awesome being in a city like Montreal because the passion for hockey is so high. Yeah. You can be anywhere and you hear people talking about hockey. I, I love the city, but Habs fans got on my nerves for sure. I went to the game this year in Montreal where Demko led in four goals in the first two periods. And I was actually wearing a Demko jersey. <laughs> and everyone behind me was just booing me, booing me, going off. Uh, even I went up to Toronto to watch the game in Toronto Good for when you. they were there at Hockey Hall of Fame weekend. Yeah. And the first play of the game, Jordy Ben makes a nice pass. And I look at the buddy I'm with. I'm like, uh, I'm like, ex Canuck right there for the rest of the game, the least fan behind me. And I think he was having a great time. Uh, but every time Jordy Ben touched the puck, kicked my chair and he's like, that's an ex Canuck right there. <laughs> so I'm used to, I'm used to hearing it from everyone, but honestly, it just makes me love the Canucks even more because I, the amount of times I have to go to school defending Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes and this core, uh, it, it makes me like, uh, makes me like vancouver very more i'm lucky to be in Montreal. oh i love it bro or do they heckle you in french is my question <laughs> they sometimes i won't even know what they're saying if they are heckling me in french but uh but i don't know not not really now because mostly it's all my friends so yeah. no no strangers don't often come up to me and heckle me in french I love all my colleagues, and uh, Game Over Montreal does very well, Andrew Berkshire. But I that game where they Vancouver won 7-6 here, uh, seven goals, so I would be like, Labou, 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 go home. Have, you know, that, that was, uh, been working on that one for a while. Awesome. So, Dave, uh, we got about a minute left. I love how Zoom gives me the, the timer. So really quickly, thank you for being here. I appreciate you. Let's continue to collab. Where can people find you one more time? Lay it out there. Yep. I'll put it one in the description here one more time, but awesome. uncontested hockey on YouTube. I think we're at 707 right now. So any sub makes a huge difference. We got plenty of Canucks content. So if you can check that out, that'd be awesome. We got social medias. Uh, that's all you can find that on my YouTube page. And then on Twitter at fan Vancouver, I'm not super active on Twitter, but like, Hey, I, uh, I post the stuff we're doing. I love retweeting your stuff too. And sometimes we have our little interactions there. Yes. So Keep also keep up what you're doing too. It's awesome. I'm a huge fan and uh, we'll be talking soon for sure. Appreciate that, Dave. So I'll let you get going before Zoom kicks us out. And once again, I'll get you on here by the end of the season. How's that sound? Sounds awesome. Look right. forward to it. Thanks to the chat. All right. Thanks, brother. Take care. Thanks. Awesome. Bye. Bye. Once again, that's David Lewis of Uncontested Hockey. Bright young man. Bright young man. He's, uh, he's awesome. I've collabed with him a few times um, on his channel as well. And he's doing some great stuff on uncontested hockey with John. And yeah, I think he's only, I'm not sure if he divulged his age. I, I can say this because I think he's 20, he's 21 or 22. Dave, put in the chat. Um, oh, you know what? I, I realized that they're not allowing you to link. I think I have to, I have to type it because I think it gets deleted on purpose. Um, so let me do that as I wrap up here. But Dave, while I'm looking up your, um, your channel, type in the chat how old you are, <laughs> if you don't mind uncontested hockey i think i can put it in the chat let's see if i can do um, uncontested hockey here let's see if this works now did that come up on the chat can you see mine you guys i think so because i'm a moderator so there's his channel make sure that you subscribe to dave 
they are doing some great work already. So uncontested hockey. And I'm not sure if Dave, uh, Chris, Dave can still hear me. I think Dave is only 21 or 22 years old because he's either the same age as my son, Sean, or uh, one year older. So a lot of smart people. Parker's like 22, 23 or whatever he is. I know he's way younger than me. You got a guy like uh, like Dave, uh, so smart. My son, Sean, has his moment. So a lot of these people, young whippersnappers that are doing doing really well. So friends, thank you for being here tonight. I I love the interaction. I love the engagement. And indeed, it was um, it was truly an entertaining game. Canucks started well. Tampa controlled the middle part of the game. The Canucks make a late push, but fall just a bit short. I know it's not about moral victories, especially now we're uh, we're at an interesting part of the season. Exactly the halfway point finally for the Canucks. They go into the halfway mark, three games under five hundred. If they want to make the playoffs, they basically got to go 16 games over five. So pitcher, they got to go something like 29 and 13 if they want to make the playoffs. Not likely, but does that mean they, sh- they should go the other way and do what they need to do to increase their lottery odds? That's another discussion for another show. Just going to look up the schedule. So the next games are this weekend. And I think, I think that Kaya actually has both of them so the canucks move on from tampa bay and next they go to i have it right here well they they stay in florida they play in florida on saturday they play carolina on sunday and yes kaya has both of those shows and she's got some wonderful guests lined up for those shows so make sure you stick with us here on game over vancouver we are thrilled to have you and we appreciate all of the support and the loyalty that you've been giving us in our first season with the Steve Dangle Podcast Network. So on your way out, make sure that you subscribe to SDPN. Make sure that you like the video. If you're listening on a podcast platform, make sure you rate and review. And you can also follow Dave at Uncontested Hockey. Subscribe to their YouTube channel. And then for me as well, Canuck Clay, both here on YouTube and on Twitter. So for me, my next show is not until... Oh, look at that. Next Wednesday, when I'm breaking down the Canucks versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. So thanks again for being here. Appreciate you. Enjoy the rest of your evening. As always, stay safe, stay healthy, take care of yourselves, and take care of each other. And by the way, did you know that I spend my time telling people about the benefits of dried grapes? It's all about raisin awareness. Take care and go Canucks go. Good night, everyone. Game over! Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook.